0: On air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV, Cable 20. Now, special guest host, Jeff Pickle. Good morning.
1: Welcome to the Jennifer Campbell Show, the Friday think edition of the show, although I'm sure you knew it was Friday, it just feels good to say it again, it's Friday,
0: it's
1: the Friday edition, here we are, we made it, was the 24th, 24th of August, how'd that happen, am I right? I swore it was June still. We've got a big show lined up for you today. I would say the best of the week. Later on, after 9.30, major sports news. Definitely here in Canada, definitely near the the GTA. Haley Wickenheiser, six-time Olympic Medalist hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's the uh, it's in player development, like the assistant uh, to player development. Big news there. More and more women getting involved in the sports industry on the management and coaching side, and uh, it's a big deal there. So we'll be chatting with a woman who knows a lot about working in a male-dominated field that is sports. Local. 11-time Canadian championship boxer Mandy Bujola will join us to talk a little bit more about that and give us some insight uh, there. But we uh, just listen to that update from Glenn Pelche in the newsroom. Hear him talk about that story about, uh, <laughs> about Trump, a Trump tweet, of course, asking the attorney general to open up some new investigations. But in the tweet, he just calls him Jeff. Like, does the attorney general... Of the United States. And he's just saying like, hey Jeff. This is what we all want, Jeff. It's like he's asking a buddy to help him move. Like, come on, Jeff. This is what we all want. Help us out here. Help me out, buddy. This is what we need. I mean, that's a pretty small transgression when we when we start to talk about the number of things that appear in tweets. But it, it shocked me. It, t- it took me more as just funny than anything else. Come on, Jeff. Like one of the highest ranking. Okay, either way. Let's forget it. Let's move on. Let's come back north of the border. A few weeks ago when I was filling in hosting, all the talk was provincial politics. There wasn't a day go went by that it wasn't something else provincially, and we had to kind of stretch to find something federally. But that is not the case anymore. The Canadian political right is facing its biggest shift since it unified behind the Conservative Party of Canada 15 years ago. Quebec Member of Parliament Maxime Bernier is vowing to create a new party that threatens to split the Conservatives in the next federal election. On the first day of the Conservative Policy Convention in Halifax, the former leadership contender announced he was leaving the party and unleashed an attack on leader Andrew Scheer, who narrowly beat him out in last year's leadership race mad max as he's known by his supporters represents the conservative end of the party base and has recently been active on twitter promoting his ideas against immigration and the dangers of what he calls extreme multiculturalism here to join me on the program to talk about Mad Max and this recent development. Emmett McFarland, a professor of political science at the University of Waterloo. Emmett, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So why is Maxine Bernier leaving the Conservative Party and vowing to, to start his own political
0: movement?
2: Um, in some ways, it's hard to say, because yesterday's press conference wasn't all that revealing. He, he derided the party as kind of intellectually and morally bankrupt and, or corrupt, and, um, uh, and he, he tried to kind of spin this as really fundamentally about ideas. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who would point to the fact that he narrowly lost a leadership race and and didn't seem to get over that, um, and so uh, whether or not this is going to be some kind of ideologically principled movement or new party that that he tries to create, or whether or not this is um, kind of a cry for attention and incre- increasing dissatisfaction with um, with kind of not getting along with his colleagues, it's it, it's really
1: hard to say. What was the reaction like, at least within the Conservative Party, when when he made this announcement?
2: So, I mean, I, I can't imagine it was it was <laughs> shocking. This is obviously big news. It's it's obviously it would be concerning to any any of the caucus members. But I'm not sure how worried they are. It, it is it is actually really hard to say how much of a threat this is to the party at this point. Uh, Bernier could end up being very successful in, in launching a, a new party, um, or he might kind of wither into obscurity now. Um, and and I think one one kind of signal for me is that if he had showed up yesterday with eight or nine of his colleagues uh, separating out from the CPC and starting their own caucus in Parliament, that would be a that would be a big threat to the unity of the the party. That would be um, a, a real a real statement about how long lasting Stephen Harper's legacy is in terms of uniting the right. Right now, this is just one dissatisfied MP who is who is, who is leaving the caucus and the party. So it it's difficult to. Predict, but at, at this point, um, uh, I, I wouldn't be willing to bet that the, that the caucus is is scrambling, and, and in some ways, they may actually be a little happy going into next year's election with less of a distraction. Um, you can imagine what the 2019 election would look like if if Conservative MP Max Bernay was continually spouting off in a way that was against the party line.
1: They. they pff- possibility that it could really be an anchor and a drag and turning off some of the more progressive side of the conservative voter base i think so absolutely uh, now we talked his i mean we, we don't know a lot right he just kind of said he was going to split off but we do know a little bit about where uh, max is ideologically where he stands he's been on twitter um Saying some of these, uh, displaying some of his uh, where he stands ideologically. Where, what is some of the major tenets of of Bernier's uh, movement?
2: Yeah, I mean, so he's he's always been known as uh, kind of a standout libertarian and an economic or fiscal conservative among the conservative ranks, and and some of the, this more populist and even uh, to some critics' views xenophobic language is is a little more recent. Um, this, is a, this is an MP who was part of a very long-standing conservative government for, for, for almost a decade under Stephen Harper. And, and that government maintained very high levels of support for immigration. It was, quite frankly, explicitly supportive of multiculturalism for most of its run. Um, you know, towards the, the very end of, of that government, they ended up getting into issues like the niqab and barbaric cultural practices. And, and things like that but for the for the large part they did extensive outreach to um, diverse and ethnic communities in canada and and max bernier didn't speak up much and so there's some of this some of this re- kind of uh, throwing out concerns about diversity multiculturalism and immigration is a bit of a recent turn it's definitely a, a turn that we've seen in other countries towards some of this more divisive populist rhetoric um, so it's concerning from that standpoint, but it's it's not necessarily ideologically consistent with the other facets of what we know about Max Bernier as a libertarian. Um, and so there, there might be some tension there, and it, it's hard to tell whether this is just genuine or whether there's some incoherent strategy
1: behind all of this. It sounds a little bit like an opportunistic move seeing that obviously, you know, there's been a wave of these kind of populist ideas and these anti immigration ideas happening. And it seems like there's always one, Politician, whether it's provincially or whether it's it's federally in different countries who's willing to kind of jump on that and, and ride the wave. And I guess it depends to see how big that wave is in Canada. But is this in any way you think a just simply that an opportunistic move to kind of be the, the face of that of that movement here?
2: Well, yeah, whether it's genuine or opportunistic, I think I think he sees that there's a clear wedge that he can, if he's going to try to start this new party or a new movement, this is a clear um, opportunity to funnel support his way. You know, some of his rhetoric around multiculturalism is almost. Just mainstream thinking in Quebec, and I think he's a much more notable figure within Quebec and, and has much higher prospects of giving the Conservative Party a problem within Quebec than, than perhaps within the rest of Canada. Um, but he obviously sees this as um, something that's lacking at the federal stage. So, one of the few things he was clear about yesterday is that he doesn't think that the Conservative Party has appropriately articulated principles uh in this vein um, you know i think i think there are reasons to be concerned about the how, how those principles are coming out that this is this is some of what he has tweeted has replicated the nasty populist right wing rhetoric we've seen in other countries and and canada um, isn't necessarily immune to that, but, and, but so far has been somewhat resilient from it. And so it, this, this may represent more than a threat to just the Conservative Party. It might be a threat to our, our broader politics as well.
1: And let's talk about his his supporter base. You say, obviously, in Quebec where he uh, is is more well known. Is it more widespread than that? Does he have other pockets of support? And we we hear about his uh, abilities as as a fundraiser. Clearly, he must have uh, some more support just out, outside of Quebec.
2: Yeah, I and mean, I mean, let's be clear he he very narrowly lost the, lost that leadership race. So almost half of the the conservative membership, at any rate. Um, would have liked to see him as leader of the party. So his his support in that sense certainly extends beyond Quebec's boundaries. How how successful that will translate into general politics uh, if he's trying to form a party that that can win seats in a national election? Um, that's a little more difficult to say. It's it's really hard to know what. Even the people who voted for him in the leadership race are thinking right now that he has abandoned the party. Um, so, if I were him, I wouldn't be necessarily counting on that sum total of support, uh, particularly outside of Quebec.
1: If, you know, it, it's clear he's leaving, and if he leaves and, and that party gets up off the ground, do you think that could? there could be any movement in the conservative party as far as shifting their policies maybe towards the the more progressive side again of that party since you know one of the main the main uh holders of the of the conservative viewpoint is is leaving yeah
2: i mean in some ways i think his leaving is a sign of of the success of that kind of brokerage traditional politics we have in canada where a lot of his caucus colleagues certainly wanted to maintain um, an interest in, in uh, support from, from moderates and, and, yeah, red Tories, progressive conservatives, however you want to frame that, and that veering, veering in Bernier's direction towards the right and towards some of this more divisive politics would really be bad for the party brand. So, you know, in it, what do they do if Bernier is actually successful here in, in attracting support, running a slate of candidates, uh, next year as fast as next year um you know they they would it would be unwise to try to to veer right to combat them that that would certainly um only only further i think uh harm them in terms of the the broad national support they would need to challenge the liberals and look that that was always going to be an uphill battle um uh whatever the polls say a year ahead of the election. You can kind of throw that out, the, the, the Liberals, um, in, in, the, in the context of a, a fairly strong economy, without major scandals in their way, this was going to be a tough election for the Conservatives. And, if, and of course, this only hurts them. The, the question is to what extent it will hurt them, um, and how do they respond to that? Right now, they want to try to send a message with their, their policy convention that they they're, they're going to have a set of ideas, that they're strong and united, post Max Bernier, and and hope that he simply isn't able to galvanize much uh, in the next year or so.
1: And speaking of that election in a year's time, there, there's spec. I guess the thought that it could help the Liberals, right? A, a splitting vote on, on the right. How do you see that playing out if this is if he is able to get a real kind of established party off the ground?
2: I mean, I think the concern would be that he, and I think the most realistic concern would be that he basically pulls. Something along the lines of an Elizabeth May, right? So he 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 would have maybe a good shot at winning his own seat, and and getting some small percentage of support across the country would be enough to really hurt the Conservatives in a lot of ridings. Because um, if you shift two or three percent of the vote away from them, um, that that could cost them seats. Um, but even if he w- just wins the one seat, that guarantees him a certain amount of perpetual attention um if if elizabeth may didn't have a seat in parliament the green party wouldn't be talked about nearly as much as it is as a as a as an entity in our politics and and the same will be true for whatever
1: bernier uh tries to start up all right well Emma, it will be a, a fun i guess i guess year leading up to the next election to see how this all plays out but i thank you for taking the time to chat with me this morning
2: thank you for having me
1: all right, excellent. Once again, uh, Emmett McFarlane, a professor of political science at the University of Waterloo. Interesting to see how this plays out. Does Bernier have any support here? Are you a conservative within the region? What do you think about this idea? Are you, are you worried about that vote-splitting element that could happen? Are you hopeful that maybe Bernier will leaving will lead to a, a slightly more socially progressive conservative party that I know many people have felt has been lacking. Or maybe you're full-on Bernier supporter. Whatever he does, name that new party. The check's already in the mail, and you're supported. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Where do we sit on Maxine Bernier leaving the Conservative Party of Canada? We'll take your phone calls, 519-570-2545, or star 570. Let's go to a break. We'll come back with them right after this.
0: We crowdsource our traffic. From the bumper-to-bumper crowd surrounding you. Real-time traffic solutions from sources across the city and you. Your traffic team is 570 News. Kitchener's breaking news, traffic, and weather station.
1: All right, We are back with the Jennifer Campbell Show Just before the break Chatting with The University of Waterloo Political Science Professor Emmett McFarlane We're talking about Oh isn't that saxophone There we go Sax on the Friday Let's let this play out You guys don't need to hear from me Well, maybe, maybe I should talk. I don't know. Chatting with Emmett McFarlane uh, about Maxime Bernier and what his announcement. He's leaving the progressive, not the progressive conservative party, just the conservative party of Canada, striking it out on his own, pulling a... uh, it's a Stockwell Day. Splitting the right is the fear people have that uh, if you're within the Conservative Party, or is uh, will will Mad Max have any success? I don't know. It's it's. I'm just thankful that there's some there's some excitement at the federal level again. You know, I was getting a little tired of just always talking provincial stuff. So thanks to the news gods for handing this one down to us. And it does seem that the Conservative Party is pretty firm in their stance that they are not supporting this whatsoever. Stephen Harper speaking out against it. Andrew Scheer. I heard uh, Michelle Rempel, who's one of the uh, popular voices of the Conservative Party, And none of them seem too concerned, although you wouldn't really want to show your hand if you were concerned, but none of them seem to think this is going to cause any real uh, impact. And I imagine what our guest Emmett McFarlane said was correct, that the party may just be feeling a big sigh of relief, that they got rid of this guy who was kind of dragging them down, never really seeming to, to buy into to the leadership of Andrew Scheer and not really buying into to the momentum they would need moving forward to take on the Liberals. He seems to have his own agenda that's different from the rest of the party. So that anchor that was dragging the party down, maybe they're able to, to shed it and to, to prosper because they no longer have that, that idea. And I know there's a lot of people within the Conservative Party who are looking for a little bit more of a progressive... Voice on some of these on some of the social issues. So it'll be fun to see how that plays out after We're going to go for a quick break. After that break, we're going to be chatting about the hiring of Haley Wickenheiser. uh, Seen as a major breakthrough, certainly in professional sports, more women on the management side of the game. It's one of the most heavily male dominated industries we see more and more women breaking through in that industry it doesn't happen often in hockey can it happen more is this kind of the spearhead to see more of that uh type of you know shattering the the industry as as we know it. Okay, let's go to a quick break. We'll be back with more of the Jennifer Campbell Show right after this. Most emails
0: get buried in your inbox. 570 News, breaking news alerts always get opened. Can't afford not to read them. Brought to you by Libro Credit Union. Prosper here. Sign up today at 570news.com.
1: We are back with the jennifer campbell show thanks so much for tuning in on 570 news of course if you're watching on rogers cable 20 greatly appreciated hope you're enjoying your friday morning as much as i am the air is a little cleaner it's a little fresher i'm a little excited if you can tell the friday feeling As it's being called. Thanks to my uh, first guest on the program, Emmett McFarland, political science, the University of Waterloo. Having that little chat about Mad Max. But we move on from the world of politics to the world of sports. It's been called a major breakthrough for women in hockey and in professional sports. Haley Wickenheiser, the six-time Olympic medalist, including both in the summer And Winter Games. Yes, she won a medal with the Canadian women's softball team. People forget that. Two-sport athlete. Wickenheiser has been named the Assistant Director of Player Development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Over the last few years, the profile of women in sports, both in professional leagues and on the coaching and management side, has increased. And Wickenheiser, a household name in Canada, could usher in a new wave of women breaking through that male-dominated industry. Joining me for this conversation is a fellow Olympian, an 11-time Canadian boxing champ, Mandy Boujot. Mandy, thanks so much for taking the time to join me.
3: Thanks for having
1: me. So, when you heard this story about Haley Wickenheiser being hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs, something we we don't see uh, very often uh, in the professional sports leagues in the in the male uh, professional leagues, what what did you think when you heard this about this story?
3: I think it's great. I think um, the fact that a large organization like the Lease, you know, recognized her skill and ability and, and brought her on and saw that there was going to be um, some benefit of having her as part of the team. I mean, she's got close to 20 years experience and obviously at the very top level. So I think she's got a lot that she can bring to the table and it's, it's great that they recognize that and um, took the step to, to put her in a position um, to be able to, to do that.
1: How important do you think it is to the growth of women's athletic overall to have more women involved on on the management and, and coaching side, some of those more senior positions, uh whether it would be a, a, a male sport or, or a, a female league, whatever it is, to have, have more women on that, that management side?
3: Um I think it's important because I think as women now you you get involved in the sport, you reach a high level, um and then oftentimes because you know that, you know what, you're not gonna, you know, end up being the high performance director of that sport or, or whatever it is, you end up just kind of like leaving the sport in total, right? So you might kind of do some coaching at a at a more local level or something like that. But to be able to see that there's an opportunity that you know, at all that time that you spent on something can kind of go back and give back in a bigger way. I think is is really important. It's important for the next generation to be able to see that, to see that, hey, that's a path that that's available to me um, as a female. So.
1: Yeah. And, and I understand what you're, you're saying. It's so often that if when you're at a high level athlete will seemingly think, OK, now I have to get on with the rest of my life and find that yeah. other occupation, whatever it is, where the, the opportunities to remain within that that sport professionally not playing anymore aren't, aren't really there
3: no exactly right now it's it's very limited on you know what you can continue to do with with your sport after your own career right so being able to open up those doors and say that you know you can go into these type of positions is i think is really eye opening and it's um it's great especially for young girls coming up to to be able to look at that and say hey well i could do that
1: and you're in a position where you're still involved in the sport in, you know, in a competitive capacity, but you've also been, you know, very entrepreneurial in in making it a a business as well in making it a a career. Have you seen, as I mentioned, 11 time uh, Canadian champion. So you've been in this sport for a long time. Have you seen that, that progression into more opportunities becoming available?
3: Um, I think it's a little harder, maybe in my sport. Um, I haven't seen that yet. I am a part of like our board. um, So I do kind of have a say in a lot of the conversations that happen at that higher level. Um, It's not always, it doesn't always change anything um, because I'm definitely outnumbered. But um, I think it's still important to have a voice and to be able to um, say what's important Um, and what I'm recognizing. You know, as a female athlete, I would recognize things that are different um, than the men. And it could be something as simple as, you know, with our junior development teams. um, you know, we need to have a female coach um, traveling with those teams, right? But they don't recognize that as something that's important um, when I know it is. So just being able to bring some small things like that to the table. And I've always been like a big advocate of, you know, what I, I want to see diversity. I want to see, um, you know, women in these positions, but I also want to make sure that they're qualified people. I don't want to just See them put a female in position to say that there's a female there, because that's not going to help at all, right? Um, I think making sure that, that person is qualified and has the experience to be able to be there um, is what's going to continue to advance that and open up other opportunities for women in the future.
1: And I think uh, credit goes to Kyle Dubas, the the uh, GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who said exactly that. This hiring is because of exactly the credentials speak for himself, someone who is a, a very qualified in their position and a, and a very uh, remarkable person at that. I didn't know this, but she's actually studying to be a doctor as well, which oh, yeah. is, which is amazing. But, and, and I think that's a great point to have. It, it is important that it's not done as, as a, as a token gesture and that the, that the credibility is there, but still it, it, it still is. It takes a, a GM to to step out or whoever, whatever the position may be. It's still a step out and and kind of a a bit of a risk, I suppose, for them to make that move.
3: Yeah, absolutely it is. But I think um, what he's done is an awesome thing. And I think that, you know, she's going to be able to show, um, you know, her value in that position. And I think when she does that, then it might open up other, you know, organizations to put female in similar positions. And I think um, it's great that he's taking the lead on that.
1: And I know one of the, the criticisms is, especially when again we're talking about uh, men coaching or, or uh, sorry women coaching or in a management position in, in a male uh, sport, like obviously the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. You, you've done some coaching and, and some mentoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a difficulty there in being able to coach male athletes as a woman?
3: Um, I would say no. I'd say um, I mean it depends if you have if you have. I mean, highly qualified professionals in the room, um, usually for them it doesn't matter if it's male or female as long as they know that you have the skill and ability to be able to teach them something, right? So, sure, when I first started my career and I was only a few years in, if I tried to teach – a male, I'm sure they would have probably thought, well, what does she know? But at this point now, I know in my career, like I can walk into a gym. Um, I run high performance camps um, all the time and, and most of them are men that are that are there and they're signing up to be a part of this. And um, I think you kind of get that respect by showing that, hey, look, I've been able to do this. I've kind of done it myself and now I can show you how to do that. Um, makes a big difference. But um, I think that um, qualification side of it and being able to have that experience um, really goes a long way when you're trying to kind of cross over and um, and work with with men.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think any athlete who who is you know a true dedicated athlete, uh, even in the even in the amateur ranks, if they if they. Any athlete who wouldn't listen to a woman coach just because uh, of of gender likely isn't the type of person you you want on a team or you really want around. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Where do you think? Do you think we're seeing good signs? We're seeing. both in professional leagues, we're seeing some of the the hockey leagues in North America starting to grow a little bit. We're seeing a little bit more in terms of progress as far as professional opportunities. Do you think we're heading in that direction? Are you are you hopeful for the future?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think every every thing that happens like this that's a a step closer to to where we need to be um, is is important and it needs to be talked about. It needs to be um, kind of encouraged by by others as well. So I think, yeah, we are definitely heading in the right direction, um, even just throughout, you know, my 13, 14 years being involved in, in my sport, I have seen a lot of changes um, in different ways and just women getting um, more recognition uh, and, and more kind of respect for what they're doing. So um, I think that is very important and I think it is for sure
1: heading in the right direction. Well, it's great to hear. And Mandy, thanks so much for, for offering your insight uh, on this uh, subject.
3: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, a pleasure to have Mandy Bujode on the show 11 time. Canadian champion. I was, when I was, you know, it's right on her, her Twitter handle, but uh, I was I was thinking, I was like, when I was writing it out just before, I kind of did my very basic research. I was like, I think it's six or, is it five or six? How how many times was she Canadian champion? I looked there, 11. And obviously fought in the uh, Rio Olympics as well, continuing to fight. And great to have her insight uh, on this. As she said, 13, 14 years within the elite Boxing industry and uh, was has likely been able to see what types of uh, what types of changes uh, there has been on, on that side and I think it is if you're going to see change on the athletic level when it comes down to the athletes being able to participate in the opportunities available you need more people on the management side it's the same in business when all when we talk about I know we've done a number of stories on the the startup scene and the entrepreneurial scene and that all the venture capital money is in the hands of men and they are far more likely to support male businesses and having not just more women run startups and entrepreneurial projects but if the money is not in the hands of women to support those companies, it's a lot harder. So it's, it's, it's same it's the same in business as it in, as it is in athletics. It's, uh, you need that diversity of thought to really move things forward. And obviously Wickenheiser is particularly, uh, a great fit for that, to be that, to be that face of that moving ahead in Canada. Cause I mean, I would be surprised if there is a single player within the Leafs dressing room who wouldn't absolutely shut up the moment she started talking because, I I think she's the best women's hockey player of all time and knows so much about the sport. It's amazing too. So she's taking on this job as the uh, assistant director of player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. She's also going to university. She's at the University of Calgary and she's studying medicine. She's studying to be a doctor at the same time is doing this. She has a young family as well. She'll be kind of flying, I guess, back and forth out to Calgary, and she's kind of in charge of some of the prospects they have in the in the western side of this continent. But wow, what a what a job that is! And then, never mind all the other uh, the other things she'll have on the go. Olympian in two sports. Such an impressive individual. Okay, let's go uh, take a quick break. But we'll be back with more of the Jennifer Campbell show right after this.
0: The power, the energy from a crowd. It's unmistakable. The ones who feel it the most. The Kitchener Rangers. Busting down the middle. east slurred. Up and out. The Kitchener Rangers play here. 570 News.
1: All right, we're back with... The Jennifer Campbell Show on this Friday edition of the show. I can tell Paul's got his Friday his Friday eyes on. He's got a smile on. He's ready for Friday. He also looks busy. He also looks uh, like there's a lot going on right now. So I'll leave Paul to that. Thanks again for Mandy Bougeau for joining us uh, on the show talk about the the hiring of of Haley Wickenheiser and what that could mean for the future of women in sports on the professional, the management side. We see it in uh, the NBA is the the top sport as far as women coaching. I know the San Antonio Spurs have an assistant coach or at least did have an assistant coach. Uh, There's a number involved uh, in in the coaching side in the NBA. There's, I think, a few... Female referees as well. More sideline reporters. I guess baseball would have to be the worst. Because football just had a, uh, football has a um, a ref, a linesman, who is, they had their first female linesman. I mean, sure, I'm not saying lineman, Linesman, so like a referee, uh, hired this year. And there's a number of coaches on the, the strength and development part and the, the speed training part as well. Hockey's had a couple through the years, but this is obviously a big one. And then just that Wickenheiser name, right? It's, it's, it is it's a household name in Canada as far as, as women's, ho- women's hockey goes. So very cool to chat about uh, with Mandy about that. The next uh, topic I want to talk about, making a hard, a hard right turn. So this is a story that if you've been on uh, social media, if you're on Twitter particularly, you may have seen the story of the Tinder trap. So first of all, Tinder itself, a dating app on your phone if you're not in the know, it would be probably be described as one of the most, the, probably the easiest, most efficient dating app where you literally see someone's picture, you swipe if you like it. If they happen to swipe on your picture, hey, boom, you're connected, you can talk. So this guy gets a gets a match on, on Tinder and is talking to the girl and she's very pretty in the picture, which is great. And she says, okay, like I'm kind of busy this week. I'm working on a project. Let's meet up on in about two weeks give me your number and i'll, and I'll give you a call and we can meet up so he says okay probably n- nothing's gonna happen here this is just like a like a see you later call you call you in two weeks never gonna happen calls him probably doesn't call him because i mean come on who calls who calls these days sends him a message two weeks later says hey like hopefully we can still get together i'm uh, i'm having uh i'm i'm down to meet with you on you know this this friday afternoon I'm going to be running around a little bit, but I have a D de- I have a friend who's a DJ and he's, and he's spinning tracks near the park. Why don't you just, we just meet there up by the stage. I'll, I'll, I'll find you and then we'll, we'll go in the state. So he's there and he sees this, uh, goes, there's this DJ playing, a bunch of guys kind of milling around as this, as DJ plays. And he sees the girl walk out and she's has two bodyguards beside him and he, and he wasn't right in front of the stage kind of hanging back and he sees walk to the stage she walks up on the stage and she says all of you guys are here because i invited you uh, on tinder so each and every one of these like 30 or 40 guys who were hanging out were there because they were invited by this same girl on tinder and then she went on to have a competition about how for, for the date so so there's this video of these guys, they're doing, you know, they're having races, they're doing push-up contests, they're do- uh, hopefully there was a skill testing question involved, but doing a a a test, a competition for this date, and this guy was just dumbfounded, the fact that he'd got, you know, fooled, but I guess it was all part of this larger, this larger, uh, you know, video, it was this project, it was a social experiment to see how people would would react. But I mean it's just kinda kinda mind blowing. I mean, how would you feel if you were that guy? you you get this call, you go to go, you know, on a date and you show up and then all of a sudden there's, you know, fifteen other guys milling around like all of you asked with the same girl and then you're asked to you know, do do some sprints and some a push up contest to take her out on this date? It's hilarious. I guess the guy left. A lot of guys left. I I would hope you would leave. I hope if you're ever involved in one of these situations and you show up and you're there with 30 other men and you're asked to uh, perform in a competition, I hope maybe you just didn't have anything to do on a Friday afternoon and you thought, hey, what's the worst? But I would hope you just walk away from the situation. I think that's winning that social experiment. You just walk away from it. But what do I know? I was lucky enough to avoid the whole uh those when, when some of those dating apps became way too efficient, <laughs> the the Tinders and the uh I don't know, the other ones. Bumble, some of those other ones are I was able to, to avoid that. So I never, I never, and and I'm not upset about this, never got to experience them, but uh, I've had enough friends who, who uh, have to show me how they work. And I mean, I'm not one to pass judgment, but it just seems a little cheap, you know, it seems a little cheap, but I mean, Hey, we live in busy modern times. It's hard to meet people. I get it. I know it, you know, and people don't, you know, we don't, we don't call each other anymore. and, And it seems weird if someone like approaches you in public. I mean, that can go really badly too. Even if your intents are honest and and in good intentions, public embarrassment is a big motivator to not do that, you know? You're just there shopping for a book. Someone catches your eye and you you try to start a conversation and you, uh, I can't see that, that going well. Maybe, maybe. Take a chance. Take a chance on love. All right, that just about does it for me for the Mike Farwell show. For the Mike Farwell show. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's because I'm actually in uh next week, Monday through Wednesday, hosting the Mike Farwell show. Jen will be back sitting right here at the host chair, hosting the Jennifer Campbell show. Which is a good thing. And uh that's right. I'll be in uh filling in for Mike for a couple of days, then Mike will take back over. At the end of the week, coming up after me, again, we've talked about this a lot. Mike and his uh, extended summer summer weekends. So, Mike, uh, will, we will have the newest member of the 570 family, Brian Burke, sitting in for Mike today. That's right. Brian will be uh, relieving me, putting out of my misery, and in a few short minutes in here hosting. Uh, the, the new host of Kitchener Today with Brian Burke. And that's about uh, that's about what does it. I hope you guys all have, have a great weekend. Hey, the sun's shining. Is it too early for a mojito? I don't think it is. I think it might be half past mojito o'clock. Okay, that does it for me. We've got the news coming up next. And then uh, Brian Burke filling in for Mike Farwell. That's it for me. Have yourselves a great weekend.